Welcome to Women and Manufacturing, where accomplished women interview accomplished women. All right, well, welcome to the Riveting Exchange podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Andrea Olson, and I'm here with Desiree Grace. Say hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. And thank you for being here with us. Today, we're going to talk about organizational and team motivation. How do you motivate others? In addition, a little bit to motivating yourself, but we're going to get into that a lot deeper in our next podcast. So today we're talking about what motivates people. A lot of people assume that's going to be money, recognition, uh, maybe a higher calling, maybe just actually receiving respect. But really we want to start with that big question of why do you want to motivate people? And Desiree, what are your first thoughts on that? You know, whenever I think of people talking about motivation, um, I think about what it's not. And the the thing that makes me want to crawl the walls is when an organization or a person in a leadership role or in a human resources department uses the term human capital. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, comparing our colleagues our production people, our sales people, our accounting team, our CSRs, whatever, to human capital, like the raw materials and their inputs and their machines. And I think that's where the difference lies, is you are dealing with human beings, not machines. And I think one of the other challenges that kind of correspond to that is sometimes the culture of the larger organization or the budget may not support or embrace motivation, but I I think it's still job one of a leader to figure out the best way to motivate their people, not only so that you can get the best work out of them, there's the mercenary piece of it, but also Mm -hmm. so that they're happy, they're fulfilled, they stick around, and it's it's kind of a win-win all around. What do you think? You know, I I fully agree. And one of the most important things, I think, when we think about motivation in the broader sense is that, to your point, we're dealing with people. And people are unique. Everyone is different in how they're motivated, what motivates them, and what fulfills them. And as organizations, we tend to try to do a broad brush across that. We say, okay, we're going to have incentive programs uh, we're going to have you know, events that celebrate employees, and these are all wonderful things. But when you're talking about individual motivation, depending on who's in the organization, where they're seated, and what their role is, as a leader, I think you have to take a hard look at that individual and truly understand their motivations for being there, what they're trying to get out of the job, what they want to contribute to the organization, and what really at the end of the day fulfills them. Sometimes it's even as simple as gratitude and respect. These are very basic fundamentals, I think, that go across anyone in an organization that you're trying to motivate. You have to have those underpinnings to really build upon them through other incentive programs and performance motivators, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not clear about your expectations and you're not clear about what constitutes walking the extra mile and you don't tie those rewards to the expectations, um, the behaviors that you value, that you want to encourage, then you're going to have a communication gap 
and you're you're going to have employees that that really feel like to your point they're not understood and they're not respected. I mean, I have a friend who is a very high producer. A couple times she's been shoved into a management role and she mm. has hated it. Yeah. And it's caused it caused her to leave her last employer where she'd been for a long time because they just did not get that she prefers being an individual contributor. You know, some people love to be in charge of a team. Some people love to be part of a team. But if you've got a high-talent, high-performing, driven individual like my friend, and all she wants to do is be in a high-powered sales role and isn't afraid to travel the country, you know, make sure the role matches the individual. I mean, there's nothing worse as an employee than feeling like you are a round peg being shoved into a square hole. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that and causes the organization to leave, lose people, excuse me. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, I, you know, I think as leaders and even as organizations in the broader sense, we've seen people that are not a right fit for a position. And we've seen where that persists for sometimes years or decades. And just because that person's in a role doesn't mean that's the right fit for their role. And they try to incentivize that person to work harder because they say, well, I need this person in this role, so I'm just going to throw a whole bunch of incentives at them and really try to motivate them through a variety of ways. When really it's a matter of finding the right fit for the person and matching them to the role. So we kind of gloss over the fact that sometimes, oh, employee motivation and you know organizational perks and those things. I've read many articles where they, people say they just don't work. They have this broad brush where they say this type of thing doesn't work. You just make it black and white. You go to your job. You do your 40 hours a week. You get paid, and they go home. And a lot of organizations I've seen actually follow that same concept through the, the Deming method, and they sit down and actually map out every single process and really stifle the organization to an extent, saying this is exactly how you do your job. So some people are very motivated by problem solving, identifying new opportunities. They're very creative people versus very process-oriented people. And so some people fit in that organization, some people don't. And when they get faced with the challenge of we want to innovate more, now they're at an impasse. So it's really digging down and understanding if an employee isn't happy, there could be a multiple facets on why that is. And you can throw all the bonuses or whatever you want in front of their face, but that's not really going to motivate them. No, not if that's what they value. It might be an individual who values a flexible work schedule, and you're just giving them more money, and that's not what they want. And right. the sad thing is, in a lot of cases, to do is sit down and ask people, hey, what motivates mm-hmm. you? What what gets you excited to get out of bed and come to work in the morning? Right. It's it's not really a mysterious thing. It's a very, very simple, fundamental thing that starts with communication. You know, I would argue a lot of leaders in organizations, especially big organizations, don't know their employees. Their employee might be an employee number. They might not even know all their employees' names. They might not know the nuances of just you know, what happens in between the hours before 8 a.m. and after 5 p.m. for that employee. I've dealt with many employees and in a situation where it was a, an inside sales force, 
And a lot of the employees actually had issues outside of work that impacted their performance. And it and really were strong influences that were, uh, you know, child care challenges, you know, spousal abuse challenges. And throwing more money at them wasn't what they needed. It wasn't what they were asking for. They really actually were looking for a network of support. And organizations can really be creative in finding ways to motivate employees by actually helping some of the root challenges that they face in their life or the things that they want to accomplish as a long-term goal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll give you a good example. We, we talked about this when we were prepping for the call, but um, I happened to be stuck in O'Hare, and I was um, chatting with one of the people that worked there, and I, I got to thinking, gosh, the traffic can be miserable. The parking can be miserable. And I said, how does it take you to get to work? And she mm-hmm. said, oh, it's not too bad. We have our, our own parking spot. And they run a shuttle. So we mm-hmm. fast track through security. And, um, yeah, we have to park way out in the West 40, but they have shuttles that run every 10 minutes. We hop on that. We get to our own TSA check-in. It's all good. It's not too bad. It, it, you know, I figure 15, 20 minutes to get from the parking lot to my job. And I yeah. thought, wow, talk about removing barriers. And, and, you know, there's a lot of things we could gripe about with O'Hare Airport, but I don't think sure. that's one of them. Wow. And, you know, yeah, that, I mean, that's a fantastic example. Really, it is. Well, and you bring up a good point. Maybe it's not giving somebody something. Maybe it's removing barriers, whether it's a barrier to getting to work. Maybe it's a barrier to getting their job done correctly. Um, maybe it's a process barrier. And sometimes, too, maybe it's another person on the team. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's the other deal with being a leader. Sometimes you have to remember that you're making decisions for the good of the team. If you're not willing to go to bat, to remove hurdles, um, then you're not going to have a team that feels loyalty or confidence in you. And you can demonstrate that respect and empathy by removing barriers. And, you know, and that's, that's the other thing, too. You can have leaders, they make a decision in a vacuum. They say, oh, I see this problem. I'm going to fix it. Well, mm-hmm. the law of unintended consequences can apply maybe they'd be better off getting team input and saying, hey, how do you think we should fix this? You might end up with a better solution. Right. Right, because they're dealing with it on the day-to-day basis. You know, and on the flip side of that, I've found in my personal experience where I've had employees that kind of clung to the status quo (laughs) and that they felt their value to the organization and their value in their role was doing things a certain way and we're fairly resistant to change and so part of the challenge with motivation can be actually instilling a change and having a long-standing employee embrace that change and one of the things I found was uh, this employee was working on all these these types of files and she was one of two people that could that knew how to deal with these files and it was a very laborious process it was very inefficient it took way too long and nothing was ever quite up to date right because she couldn't work fast enough to keep up with the flow of changes and and input that she'd get from all parts of the organization she was kind of this 
one-stop fail point, if you will. And her fear actually was changing the process because this is what she knew for over 10 years. And so for her, for that process to change gave her concern that she would lose control and lose her value in the company and not seeing the bigger picture of what she had the potential to do. So it was a matter of actually working with her to find out really what motivated her, and it was about getting to the details more specifically of writing content and writing it accurately and doing research. That's what she really loved to do. It wasn't so much updating these documents, but it was that aspect of the job, which was really the true value to the company. So in starting to help motivate her, it was giving her that runway to be able to do more of what she loved that was actually more valuable to the company through process change. Interesting. And, you know, that goes back to the idea of get to know your people, ask Mm -hmm. them questions, take the time to listen and understand and and maybe learn. Um, You know, those are some good takeaways because you can't even begin to craft an incentive plan or an ideal job if you don't take that first step to ask and then genuinely listen to the answer. Right, right. And, you know, one of the things I think people fear, though, and tell me if you've come across this, is that with that communication, knowing your employee, there are some leaders out there that use that as leverage against an employee. They kind of use it, you know, as a little bank to say, okay, I can always go back to that and use it in a negative way. Have you seen that, and do you think that's a concern when you say, hey, we need to get to know our employees individually? I have seen it, unfortunately. And the problem with that type of individual is if that's how they operate and they use information as a potential weapon almost Mm -hmm. in their back pocket, you know, they kind of fall in that category of frenemy. Right. And if that's how they operate, I would almost make the argument they're not going to change. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to work for someone like that long term. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I mean, you know, the, the flip side of motivation is as an employee, you need to understand what motivates you. And you need to be able to articulate that to your leader. And if there's a leader that is not really going to be open to that, they're going to be somebody who says, you know what, I'm going to use this information against you. It might be a time to find a new position somewhere else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we we all have our touch points of what we can or can't deal with. Um, You know, I could deal with a boss that is overtly political, but someone like what you've described um, who has that sort of hidden agenda that, that you can't trust even in a workplace setting, that that individual is probably going to have high turnover in their department and is right. more than likely not an asset to the organization. You know, you know but that, if the, the upper boss feels they're an asset, I mean, how do you handle that? I'm sure we've all been there. Again, 
I, I hate to say it, but I don't see individuals like that changing. You know, it goes back to the old school of thought. You can't change other people. You can only change yourself. You can right. only control yourself and how you react to an event. But if that is your immediate supervisor and you think they're in it for the long haul, then you need to ask yourself some hard questions about whether you want to change departments, change employers, or write it out. So, you know, if you've got the kind of culture or organization where you know that you're going to have a new boss every two years, you might say, you know, I've got this person's number. I don't like it, but they'll, they'll be gone in 18 to 24 months anyway, so I'm not going to worry about it. That might be right. your resolution, and that's okay. Um, but if you absolutely can't stand working for someone like that and it's creating a toxic environment, then my advice, mm-hmm. quite frankly, would be to get out. Oh, I fully agree. I fully agree. And even on the other side of the coin, when your boss has tries to motivate a team, but there's an individual in that team that always gets a pass, right? They're not up to the performance standard that the leader has set for the team, yet they maybe are a long-term employee. They're your peer. They've been there. And they kind of have, as I as mentioned to the previous example, they have their way and they will not change and they, they're never – they're never measured against the performance of the rest of the team. That motivate those motivators also mean nothing. They lose their impact because there's always an exception to the rule. And I think that's a very toxic situation as well, where you know it doesn't matter what motivators you have, especially if you see that unfairly being spread across your peers. You know, and that that's where a leader does need to step up and say, okay, I have an individual that's dragging down the entire team, and for the good of the team, I need to make some tough decisions and coach right. this individual up or out. And that is the not-so-glamorous, not-so-fun part of leadership. And yeah, it's a tough thing, too, and sometimes you have to face uh, upper management who may be really ha- takes a liking to this person and doesn't see the day-to-day, doesn't see how they're really impacting the bigger picture. And and that, again, is where it goes back to the nuts and bolts of leadership, and you got to document. Mm, yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. You know, the other thing I wanted to bring up as well was the fact that a lot of leaders and organizations, as I, I talked about some of the big sweeping generic motivating tools that they put in place. But one of the things I've seen is that it becomes routine. So, you know, we're gonna have pizza day every Friday or we're gonna do this every Thursday or it's Jean's Day and it becomes something where it's lost its the intent of motivating people, of change, because it's been so routine. Have you faced that, and do you, do you see that as an issue? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think if you're phoning it in like that, then you're not doing your job. I mean, on one hand, it's nice to have a cadence. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. people look forward to the annual Christmas dinner. They, they like having themselves and their significant other being taken out for a nice dinner and a little fun hobnobbing outside of work every once in a while and a gee, thanks for all the work you do at that time of year, Right, holiday dinner. Um, There's that kind of routine where 
it's valued and people look forward to it. But once you've got people just phoning in and to your point, it's Friday, it's pizza day, it does tend to lose its impact. And again, are you tying the rewards to the desired behaviors? Wouldn't it be so much better to bring in pizza on a Tuesday when you hit the end of the month goal? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. I mean, something that is relevant, not just autopilot. And, I mean, that's that's sometimes things that people struggle with is thinking and creating those ideas. And then the other side of the coin is having the resources and money to implement them. And many people say, well, I have no budget to, to spend on employees for employee motivation. This is not even something that's a line item in a P&L. And so, you know, where do I find the resources to do that? How can I pay for, you know, pizza, even if it's just on a Tuesday? Well, you know, sometimes you do have to be creative. Maybe the reward is taking that inside salesperson out to a customer visit. So they get some time outside the office and they get a chance to interact with their customer and they get some recognition both from the internal team as well as the customer. It could be something like that. Do you have a line item in the budget for professional development? So maybe you utilize that as a way to motivate mm-hmm. people. You know, yeah, I had a yeah, I had a woman that worked for me and um I sent her to a one night boot camp. I thought that she would appreciate the opportunity to get out of the office and meet some of her customers face to face. And I also knew that it'd be a chance for her to utilize her social skills and do some networking. And she came back pumped up. Oh, yeah. The very act, you know, the very act of being sent to professional development, that can be a motivator. So it feels like an honor. Yeah. Yeah. And, hey, don't underestimate a handwritten thank you note. You know, dear Andrea. Yes. Have have you ever had a boss or uh, someone from another department do that? Send a an email or better yet, a handwritten thank you note acknowledging your contribution to, you know, reducing quality defects or some other really valuable contribution. You know, I I, I do, and I still have those handwritten notes. I kept them all. And actually, a slight tangent is my husband. He was working at, at Target. I'll just be honest. And he was early college, I mean, late high school, you know, so we're talking very, very early development. And Mm -hmm. he did something uh, at Target that was a big customer service uh, boon. He did a really great thing. He received a personal note from the senior vice president of customer service at Target Corporate about his exemplary performance at Target. You know, and he was just at wow. one store in the middle of the, you know, United States. I mean, there's hundreds of Target stores across the whole nation. And he received this letter. And the letter also didn't just say, thank you for your service. And it was like, you know, a sentence or two. It was a full page. It was written out. It was hand signed. And he also said, if you need anything from me, if you need a referral, if you're looking to move up at Target, if you're looking to do anything, I'm personally here for you. That in itself is just an amazing, huge motivator. You think somebody that he never met this man, right? He never met this man. This was all the way through the food chain, 
all the way up to Minneapolis at, at Target Corporate. So it's quite amazing how something, to your point, that, that was free. It was a letter. That's all it was, but made such a difference. And he still has that letter to this day. Yeah. I mean, I had a boss that would do that, and I still have those squirreled away as well. And frankly, I shamelessly copied that because it made me feel good. Mm-hmm. So I will occasionally send somebody a note and say, hey, you know, you knocked it out of the ballpark or whatever, and, because they did. And yeah. why not just show appreciation? See, I know the point that both you and I are trying to make is you don't have to have money for posters. You don't have to have money for trophies. There are right. things you can do on a very simple, personal way, such as a thank you note, or you can get a little creative and find some employee development, some recognition, or mm-hmm. something just to break up the routine like a customer visit. Right. Oh, definitely. You know, or even shadowing another person in another department. Get them out of their role and get them exposed to other things and get them learning organically. The other thing I've seen is something as simple as a fun, hey, Friday, everybody bring cookies. Go home, bake some cookies, bring them in. They have something that everybody can share, they can discuss, everybody loves food, and it costs you nothing. You know, it's not an individual recognition, but it's everyone working as a team in that department saying, hey, you can contribute, everybody can contribute. And even if you go to the store and buy a pack, it doesn't really matter, right? Everybody brought something forward. Well, and I would make the argument, too, back to your example of a a minute or two ago, you could shadow someone, but you could also have that person be the shadowee. In other words, um, you know, hey, Tony, you are so good at customer service that I would really like this new person to just sit and shadow you for a day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. All these things are free. Yeah, yeah, and how how good is Tony going to feel when that happens? Right. I mean, you feel so, a sense of responsibility and satisfaction and that someone came to you and said, I'd like you to do this because you're good at your craft, fundamentally, right? And that's a compliment, right? It's it's Somebody can really feel proud. They might be nervous. It might be something out of their comfort zone. But typically, once they get through that process, they still feel really good about it, and it gets the ball rolling, and it gives them exposure to other people and parts of the organization as well. So I I think the, the point really can be made that you do have to put thought and effort into motivation, but you don't necessarily have to put a lot of money. It can be done. Agreed. Agreed. And it's really the obligation of the leader or even an individual in the team to really take the time to understand each individual in that team and what are their motivations? What do they enjoy doing? You know, there are some team members that I recall, uh, as you mentioned earlier, where there was a gal that did very well, but she did not want a management role. And there was another gentleman who actually really wanted big, complex projects and wanted to sit and work on them for a long period of time, let's say a week or two, and really not be disturbed and just dive into it. So it was kind of interesting to say, I can find projects that help motivate that person and they feel challenged and they feel satisfaction by accomplishing that alone, without bonuses, without pizza parties, 
just the shape of the job can also be a true motivator as well. Agreed. So I want to ask you a question. Have you ever worked at a place where, and, and you've also done consulting, so I'm sure you've seen a lot. Have you ever seen or worked at a place where the environment doesn't foster or care about motivating people, but you have a leader, a department head, uh, someone like that that really does care. Any any thoughts on that piece of it? Because we all want to toe the company line to some degree. Sure. You know, the short answer is yes. The longer answer is it's funny because, the the organizations that I can think of off the top of my head, there were most of the departments would just follow status quo. And it's in and out, check in and out, do what you need to do, keep your head down and you're fine. Then there was that rogue department. And you know, typically it's sales or marketing, honestly. But that would <laughs> yeah. say, we we're gonna do something different in our own way. And actually what I found was that other departments were quite jealous of the fact that, let's say, the marketing department was doing things that were motivating employees, that was really focused on employee engagement, that was finding ways to challenge and expand the skill sets of their employees. And it was interesting because you think, well, everything starts from the top down. It's always leadership, right? It starts from the top down. This actually was middle management that was saying there's a new way to do things, and other departments started saying, why can't we do that to their leaders? And their leaders started changing their behavior, saying, okay, we do need to motivate our employees. They're looking for something. They see this, and they want that same environment. So I look at it as even though an organization might not be motivated, no pun intended, to motivate their employees, it with a program or process or even engagement, you can start in the middle of an organization with culture change and have that pervade through because other people see that microculture and want to be a part of that. Good point. I could not agree more. The, the point there, the lesson learned, if you will, is don't let the organizational culture limit you if you as a leader want to do some things to make a difference in your employees' lives, make a difference in your department, and really create a cohesive, motivated team. You don't need the blessing, per se, top management, as long as you're you know, fiscally responsible, et cetera. Right. Right. Oh, that's, that's so true. And, you know, I, I had a chance to speak uh, at a public relations network event. Uh, there was probably about uh, 200 folks there that were in PR, happened to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were talking about a project and, and how to get things off the ground, how to get people motivated to follow you. And they, they were talking about the fact that they had struggles within their organizational culture, things like that. They said, what's your best recommendation? And I said, I can give it to you very simply. Just start. Just start. Do something. Because if you overanalyze it, if you think about whether I'm doing motivation right or wrong, if I think about how does this work with company culture, if I think about all these things, I can easily talk myself out of doing anything. But if I just start, 
and adjust along the way, right? Take the inputs, take the feedback, listen to employees, have those conversations, and start even if you need to document your individual employees' preferences and likes and dislikes and, you know, things that you observe. Be engaged. Don't be that, you know, 30,000-foot boss that just flies to the office like the movie Office Space and just is really disengaged with them because you're never going to motivate somebody if your passion and fire isn't really instilled within them. And I think any middle manager or any upper management person can do that, and it spreads like a virus. That's true. I would have to agree. I think there are cases where you'll have someone who is seeing the success of another department, and they will copy it, and they'll do whatever they need to do to get on board. And you're right. If if something's working, then the next department over is going to say, hey, um, I'm going to copy that myself, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do. Right, because nobody wants or, or to be customize first, it. they're happy to follow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they can customize it to their own department. I mean, let's face it, you're not going to motivate production the same way that you're going to motivate um, sales and marketing. It might be a different set of parameters. But, again, you can sure. still take some of those ideas and customize them in a manner in which, um, you know, maybe somebody does like being shadowed. Maybe right. they like the recognition. Right. Use that. Oh, exactly. I completely agree. You know, it's just, it's a matter of being engaged, being involved, being connected. You know, it, there's not going to be this, this cookie cutter, here's the magic key to motivating employees, motivating your team. You have to really look at personalizing that and understanding the, the landscape and the environment that you're working in as a leader, what your team makeup is what the, the challenges they have, as we talked about barriers, and then what really they care about. What do they want to accomplish at the end of the day? So with that, Desiree, do you have other thoughts, closing comments, anything to add here? Really, I think it all comes down to taking the time to learn your team, learn the individuals on your team, taking the time to talk to them and to listen And, you know, I do think you're right. You bring up a good point when you say document. You need to make notes because you're not going to remember all this. Um, You don't want to do it in a threatening way so that people think you're that boss that's hoarding information to be used against them later. But most people understand if there is a genuine interest versus a disingenuous interest. And If you are taking the time to ask people about themselves, their career goals, what motivates them, what causes them to be excited about work, and then you act on that information, then you're going to have a highly motivated team that will be incredibly loyal to you. They'll have job satisfaction. You will see reduced um, turnover. And mm-hmm. really, it's to everybody's benefit to put the effort into team motivation. Um, my last two comments are, you know, it's not a poster. It's not no. human capital. <laughs> it is basically treating people like human beings. And, you know, sometimes we make things really complicated. But if you try to treat 
your colleagues and your team the way you would want to be treated mm-hmm. and be genuine and sincere about it, remove barriers, help them to be successful in their current role, maybe even help them to be successful getting their next role, I, mm-hmm. I think you'll find that you as a leader are going to shine and your team will as well. No question. No question. I think you're exactly on point. So I believe our next conversation is about self-motivation. And yes. um, I hope our listeners will tune into that because we've all had times in our careers where we've been frustrated or stuck or in a challenging situation. So we're going to talk about that at the next Riveting Exchanges podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners. I'm Desiree Grace, and my co-host is Andrea Olson. We appreciate you tuning in, and we hope you will be well and be successful until we talk again. Thank you for listening to Women and Manufacturing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.